All right, hey, get your Bibles out. Get your Bibles out. Get your Bibles out. We go to the Bible every, every single week. Why do we go to the Bible every single week? Because it's the word. Because it's the truth. Come on, if you don't have a Bible, look off your neighbors, and if your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, then just hit them. Just hit them. Just, and you know what? Just, just hit them again. Just hit them again. Just Thomas, what's up, man? There's only one Thomas here tonight. Is that true? Yes, haven't seen you in a while. How are you doing, man? Good, sounds good. You open your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Gospel of Mark. How many enjoyed the uh, fly fishing last week? Woo! Yeah! I like fishing. Anybody learn anything about fishing? I got a huge bruise on the back of my arm from getting hit in the back of in the arm with that with the weight. You got a big old bruise right there. Look at that. Look at that bruise, man. Got hit. It was when I was flinging it right here on the ground, and that thing came back about 100 miles an hour and hit me right in the back of the arm. Look at that thing. I know it's horrible. All right, you there? Mark chapter five. Just waiting for all you slow people. Mark, Mark, Mark Bueller. Anybody seen that movie? That's a that's a bad. I turned that movie off. That's a bad movie. Mark chapter five, verse thirty-five. Mark chapter five and verse thirty-five. Mark five, verse thirty-five. Okay, this is what it says. <clears throat> While he was still speaking, who's he? Jesus. Who's he? All right, so while he was speaking, so while Jesus was speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So what happened was, this guy, his, his, his daughter had died, and people, he came to Jesus, or sorry, these people came to Jesus asking that Jesus would come and heal this girl. Well, while he was healing somebody else, this girl died. And so the, the, the rulers of the synagogue's house, or these people who come from the ruler of the synagogue's house, come and they tell him, look, these people, are, the, the, uh, his daughter's already dead. There's no word to even trouble the teacher. Don't, don't even trouble Jesus anymore because this person already died. But how many of us know that you can still trouble Jesus even though somebody's already dead? That was a fake scream right there. That was weak sauce. Even though this woman was dead, Jesus still understood that he had power to raise her from the dead, right? Come on, we're we're talking about a real man who walked the real earth that we're living and walking on today, who rose people from the dead. And And we get excited about Iron Man 2. Man, some of you... That just challenged some of you right there. I, I'm looking forward to watching that movie. But some of us get more excited about watching that movie than excited about getting up in the morning and reading our Bible. And spending time with the most holy God and encountering Him who rose people from the dead. That's bad. That's bad. He said it, not me. He said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Verse 36, soon, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult, <clears throat> he saw a tumult or an uproar, and those who wept and wailed loudly. So people are sitting there screaming and crying because this person had died. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? This child is not dead, but only sleeping. Now, Jesus is not saying this person wasn't physically dead. He was just kind of in some ways tricking them. This person was dead. She was dead, and that's why they were weeping. But Jesus was saying that to insinuate that she's coming back alive. She's only sleeping for a time. I'm going to wake her up. that makes sense? Verse 40, They ridiculed him. What does ridiculing somebody look like? Yes, perfect. Come May 20th and watch Matt Stinson at TNL. Are you going to be performing for us at all? Who's performing May 20th? 
You can't tell? Hey, look, just so you know, just so you know, TNL is like Saturday Night Live on steroids here in this auditorium, in the, out there. So, come and see, come and see what it is and experience some crazy, craziness. It's just like, it's like Christmas under a tree or Christmas presents under a tree. You don't know what it is until you open it up. They ridiculed him, but when he had put them all outside, I wonder what that looked like, Jesus putting all the people outside. When he put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. So the father and the mother, Jesus, Peter, James, and John go inside of this house. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her some crazy words, Talithi kumi which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. It could also be translated, young girl, not necessarily little. It doesn't mean that she was little in size, but it actually could be translated that she was a young girl. Say, young girl. Young girl. Okay, about three of you did. Verse 42, immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. The little girl is dead. Jesus walks in the room, tells the little girl to wake up and to walk. The girl gets up and starts walking around. And everybody was amazed. That sounds like a good story, doesn't it? True story. Open up your Bibles now. Flip over. Fast forward to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians. Stink. Oh, man. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to read it out of a different translation. Is that okay? No. New Living Translation. Unless somebody has a New Living Translation on tonight. Anybody? Yes. I, I had mine in my office, and I was going to bring it. but New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It reads like this. It says, as God's, partners, <clears throat> as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. He says... We beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Say now. now. Come on, say now. now. Say now. now. The right time is now. So I'm preaching tonight from the title, Now. Now. The reasonable life, now. Say now. Now. Not yesterday, now. Not, not even necessarily tomorrow, because how do you know you're going to wake up tomorrow? I'm not speaking death over you. I pray and hope that you do wake up tomorrow. But all you have is right. You don't have yesterday anymore. All you have is right. You don't even have tomorrow yet. All you got is right. Okay, the obnoxious screaming is not helping. This is, just isn't helping. You can yell, but that is just obnoxious. You don't have tomorrow yet. All you have is right now. Right now. This is the last message to this series. We're going to finish the series, A Reasonable Life, tonight. I'm getting on an airplane in approximately four and a half hours, and I'm flying to the great state of California. Whether it is 81 degrees tomorrow morning. I don't, tomorrow morning ain't happened yet, but I got right now, and so I'm going to preach right now before I get on that airplane. Sound good? Yeah. Sound good. Hey, let's, let us, yes, look at him, let the whole other group. What's up, fellas? Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Do what you can, Lord. <laughs> do what you can, Lord. God, we love you so much. And Lord, we do ask that you would do what you can. Lord, you can do so much. You rose a woman from the dead. God, you rose yourself from death. And you're seated in heaven. And God, you love us so much. And God, we're thankful and grateful for that tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you really did walk this earth. And you really did raise this young girl who's about 12 years old. You rose her from the dead. You are powerful and mighty God. 
And God, tonight we ask that you would really do what you can, which is far bigger and far greater than us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Right now. Right now. When I was 16 years old, I had a very rough... Can I be real tonight? Yeah. I just want to be real tonight. I don't got any funny stories that I know of right on the top of my head. And I don't have some amazing analogy. But tonight what I really want to do is if you could hear anything, I, wor- I really want to be real with you tonight before I close this series because I have so much passion about this series. And there's not really some amazing example or uh, analogy or funny story that I can give you tonight that would, that would fully communicate to you what the reasonable life is like and what it looks like to live now. Except my own story. I was 16 years old, and I grew up in Willow. Many of you have heard this story before, but I love it because it's just a great story. It really happened. At this time in my life, I wasn't necessarily off the deep, deep end, but regardless, I was like this 12-year-old girl where I was, if you would say, dead, dead, D-E-A-D, dead in my sins, dead in my lifestyle, dead in the ways of this world, dead in trespasses or shortcomings that God, according to God's standards, I was dead. I went to church one time in my entire life. I never came to a youth group gathering like this. One time I came to a youth group and I fell asleep on the couch, but the reason why I was there is because I was flirting with some girl and I was trying to get her digits, if you know what I mean. You know what I mean, bro. The problem is that some of you are here tonight with the same digits, looking for the same digits, but it just... This ain't going to happen because we got some holy women up in here. Amen? I never went to church. Never came to a youth group. Like I said, I fell asleep on the couch. I was living in sin. I was always angry. I don't just mean I was always angry just so that you can think that I was actually kind of just a little angry. I really was angry. I have scars on my fists from punching walls and from punching lockers and from punching... In my room, I had three walls by the time I was 16. From 14 to 16, I had three different holes. Did I say walls? Three holes. I had three walls in a four-walled room. It's so weird. I lived in a triangle box. No, I had three holes in my walls. My door on one side was a hole this big. On the other side was a hole this big. You couldn't see through because one hole was here and one hole was here. And it was a double-sided wooden door. I punch things. I would really, I'd get really, really mad. And I had a horrible mouth, like some of us in here tonight. I'd cuss like a sailor. Okay, I got a question. How do sailors even cuss? I mean, don't give me an example, but I don't even understand what that really even means. I've worked with roofers, and they cuss. I, I mean, I've worked with, with loggers, and they do too. But how do sailors, how does, I don't understand that whole. Almost every sentence. Okay, thanks for your, uh, your insight there. Uh, anyway, so I would, I would really, I would swear like crazy. I also, in this time, just giving you practical examples of things that are not good, uh, I would smoke marijuana. Some people think that Mary Jane is good because it's the green herb uh, that grows here in Alaska. But you have been mistaken. The devil is a liar, and it's not good. It's not good. And neither is any other type of drug. The drugs are bad. <laughs> and I did that. I was also in a lot of sexual sin. Crowd gets a little quiet. People look feeling awkward. Especially if you're sitting next to a female, you feel even more awkward. But I like, I like making you feel awkward tonight. It's so funny. It's like a whole group of guys over there and a group of girls over here. And then there's the guys and girls here. I was in a lot of sexual sin as well. Now up till about 16, I got to this place in my life where I, I, didn't not, I did not know where else to go. I, I about done, I about experienced what I felt like was, was enough. I felt like I experienced life. You know? I felt like I'd gone to this place where I'd come to the end of the road. And I was working for this, for this man. He owned a, fisher, a fisher, fishing business where he fished on Deshka Landing. I, I think I've talked about this before and... And I was a deckhand, and so I would make a percentage of the money that we made as a, as a boat. And I would, I would go down to uh, Deshka Landing in Willow, and I would, I would fish from, from 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. 
And then I would, I would mow lawns or cut wood or paint barns or, or just do anything for 10 bucks an hour from 10 o'clock till about 5 or 6 o'clock, and then I'd do it again the next day, six days a week. So that was my summer when I was 16. And some of you need to be inspired to actually work. Some of you don't even work. And that's a whole other message. But you need to start working. <clears throat> anyway, so I'm doing this job. And one of the days I, I'm, I'm painting a barn. Say barn. barn. Just to make sure you're with me. I'm painting this barn. And I climb up this ladder. And it's about 8.30 in the morning because we came back from the fishing trip early. We caught our fish. We caught our limit. We got back in about an hour time. We'd caught our fish and we'd come back. And so I'm up on the ladder. And the sun is kind of in that place where it's starting to start coming up and setting the stage. And I'm painting this barn brown. Not a red barn, it's a brown barn. That has uh, really no reason. Uh, there's no reason for me to really tell you that it was a brown barn. But still, regardless, it was a phenomenal brown barn. Everybody said amen. amen. And I painted this barn with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. And as I was on this barn, I had this thought, or even, or rather, I had this, I heard this voice. And it's because of this voice, because of this one moment in my life where I heard this voice, that my life has drastically but reasonably changed. Drastically but reasonably changed. Drastically, meaning I used to do something and, and now I'm a completely different person. But it's not a radical change, it was a reasonable change. Where I, in this one moment, I encountered this, this person, this person that we call the Holy Spirit, who is God, who created the worlds, amen. amen. And I encountered this, this person by and through a voice. And this voice spoke to me and told me to come to this church and go to this school. And I did. And I got down the ladder, I called my mom. I said, Mom, I'm going to Heritage Christian School. She said, okay, we'll talk to your dad. I said, okay, I'm just letting you know. This is what I'm doing. She said, okay, at this time I was going to Houston High School. Hung up the phone, and for three months there was this constant battle, depending on whether or not I was going to go and move in Anchorage with my uncle, or whether I was going to stay in, at Houston and suffer, because it sucks out there. Bad word, but it really does. <clears throat> amen. Somebody said amen. 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 At the end of these three months or so, I think it was about four months, it was the last day of registration, and I was, you got to know that my dad was, was completely and, and, and relentlessly against this. Like he would fight this over and over and over and over again. But what I didn't know was that my parents... My parents would, would, all summer long, would be up all night long fighting because my mom, who really wanted me out of the house for uh, mixed motives, one of them being that she thought that my life would change because I was a, a devil, and the other one was because she just really wanted me out of the house because I just needed to get out of the house and experience because I was different than all the other kids. It was just a weird one. Anybody else weird ones? Yeah. Come on. We're just a weird generation, and that's a good thing. That's the way God made us. And so... So they're fighting back and forth over whether or not I'm going to go to this school. And the last day of registration at Heritage Christian School, Dean, wake up, man. I'm just letting you know, bro. Don't want to tell you again. The last day before school starts, my dad wakes me up and he says, go into Heritage and go register. And I was excited. I couldn't believe it. So my mom takes me here and we come to the school and we registered and the weekend goes by, I went to Seward and went and partied and did everything you can imagine, I'm not going to go into detail. I come back Monday, we went to school Monday, I went to school Tuesday, and we went to school Wednesday. And on Wednesday is a special day, because on Wednesdays you'd have chapel. And at chapel you'd worship God and come to something like this, where you'd hear somebody speak, and you'd hear some music, and you'd sing. And I just sat back right about where Elena was, back there. But the seats were set up differently, it wasn't the bucket seats, it was some horrible, uh, what do you call those things, pews. And I was sitting in the pew, and, and the Lord spoke to the guy who was leading the service that day and said, I don't want you to speak today. There's somebody here I want you to acknowledge because today this guy's life and this person, this son, this kid's life is going to be drastically changed. And so God had it out for me. God was relentlessly pursuing me. And all along I had no idea. I was just thinking about the ladies and let me acting holy like you don't do that or something. <laughs> Thank you, bro. 
Appreciate it. And as I'm sitting there, Mr. Satterfield, or Pat Hadley, one of them, because they both had mics, called me up, it was actually Mr. Satterfield, and, and, and said my name, and said, There's, so-and-so is here today, and he acknowledged me, and as I stood up, I experienced an encounter with the Holy Spirit again. Now, i got to let you know, at this time, I had never been to church. I'd never even read my Bible. I had a Bible that was very dusty, and I'd pray the sinner's prayer every night before I went to bed at night for about four years because I was such a bad person, you know? That was what you do when you're a bad person. You say you're, you repent, you say, God, I'm sorry, and give me that dirt bike next summer. Because you're that genie, I've got to rub you the right way until I get what I want. And that was the extent of my relationship. But at, at this moment in my life, at this time in my life, I had an encounter with God, the Holy Spirit. And something moved me so much that I come running down to this place, it was actually about right here, and I fall on my face, and I began to weep, and I began to cry, and I began to give my life verbally and in my heart to the Lord. And it wasn't because I, I had to and somebody told me I needed to. It was because I encountered God. Anybody encountered God before? It was because I had this real encounter with the God of the universe. And nobody even preached the message to me. The extent of the preaching that I heard was on Friday nights, my dad, while drinking whiskey on the couch, would tell me about this person named Jesus, who, if you believed in, would be your ticket to heaven. And that was the extent that I knew about Jesus and who he was and who he wasn't. But what I did know was that I encountered and I heard a voice that changed my life. And from that moment forward, I began to have a hunger for what we call the Word of God, which is the Bible. I began to read it. I began to study it. I began to hunger for it. I would go to bed every night reading it, and I would call other Christian people that I'd met that week and began to ask them, what is this? And as a matter of fact, the day that I had encountered God, my life, my life, my mind, my thinking began to shift, and it just shifted, it changed. My desire and even the, the unction to, to swear, to curse, or, or to want to go party, or anything completely stopped and completely died. The desire to go party and, and to go drink and to get drunk with people completely died. The desire to smoke and to get high completely died. The desire to get angry even died. And it took me a process, and God, and I understand that I have a sinful nature still, and, and I need to learn how to deny my flesh when I get angry. But overall, my life, my heart shifted in a moment. Does this make sense? And I began to read my Bible. And I fell in love with God. As a matter of fact, my first period class was New Testament survey. It was a New Testament class where they would teach you the New Testament of the Bible. And my second period class was a study hall. But how many of us know that study hall was never really study hall unless you had a test in third hour? Yeah. It just became sleeping hall. And they usually had couches and you'd fall asleep. But instead, instead of falling asleep, every time I'd go from first period to second period, I would set my books down, I would turn around and walk right back into that same class because that class was happening again, the second period, and I'd sit down and I'd hear the teaching again that he just taught because I was so hungry for God's word. And I did it all year long. I continued to go back to that class and listen to the teaching again and again and again because something drastically changed. And some of us here might say, well, Gabriel, that's real radical. But I say that's just reasonable. Because when you've had an encounter with the living God, you begin to understand that my life is now all His. And I can't help but to live for Him. And I want to do everything I can to worship and praise Him. People ask the question, Gabriel, how much should I pray and how much should I read my Bible? And you're asking the wrong question. The right question is, how much time is there in a day for me to worship and praise God? Well, there's 24 hours. Well, bless God that I'm going to do it 24 hours. Well, how do I do it when I'm sleeping? Well, you don't have to do it when you're sleeping. You just trust that in your heart, you set your heart and your mind on Jesus as you fall asleep and you trust and know that God is pleased with your heart. I had a drastic change. There was a drastic shift in my heart and a reasonable response to that shift. There's an action and then there's a reaction. If I were to come and ask Alex to stand up, 
and I punched him in the face, Alex would respond, wouldn't he? I mean, I hope he would. If he didn't respond, he would be, we would call him a dead weird man. (laughs) Dead people don't respond, if you know what I mean. I'm not trying to be crass, and I'm not trying to sound crude. But if they're dead, they don't respond, do they? Do they? But when do they respond? When they're alive. So right now, if I ask Alex to stand up, and I kicked him in the shin, then punched him in the face, and then pushed him on the ground and stomped on him, (laughs) that's horrible. (laughs) He would, in some way, respond. Either he would ignore what I just done, or he would respond and, and, and say, let's throw down. But he would respond. And in our lives, as Christians... There has been an action, but only few have reacted. There has been a a shift and a change in you. If you call yourself a Christian, say, I, I, if you do, raise your hands and you don't have to, but you say, I am a Christian. That is who I am. Well, if you say that, then what you are saying is that there has been a call on your life, that God has called you, that you have believed in Jesus, that there has been a, that there has been an action inside of your heart. But the problem is that there's only been so many and few reactions. There's only been so many and only so few responses. The problem is, is that the problem is not that God has not acted. The problem is that human beings have not fully responded. The problem is not that God has not relentlessly pursued us. The problem is that man has not relentlessly pursued back. The problem is not that God has not loved us. The problem is that man has not loved back. The problem is not that God has not sung and spoke over us a blessing. The problem is that we have not sung and and prophesied and spoke back to Him a blessing. Do you hear what I'm saying? And as we've gone through these past messages for the past few weeks, about a couple months, we've talked about a lot of different things. Mainly, to sum it up, we had the rundown. Remember Akuna Matata? Akuna Matata. Akuna Matata was the idea of genuine relationships. Remember the week before that, we talked about the rundown and we saw Lion King in five seconds? And we said, if we could give Christianity a rundown, rundown of Christianity is in two sentences, to love God and to love one another. That is, that is Christianity in a nutshell. And the problem is, is that we've talked about so many of these different things. And the problem is, is that you might have been inspired for a moment. But are you living them now? Have you responded now? Not, not six weeks ago. Not at a camp two years ago. Are you living it now? Are you living that reasonable life now? Are you living the life that says, I love God and I want to know God now? And are you living the life that says, I want to love and bless people sitting next to me and those that don't? Are you living that now? Are you fishing now or are you not fishing? In the perspective of, are you leading people and loving people and bringing them to Jesus? Are you doing that now or are you not? Because it doesn't matter what you did six weeks ago. It doesn't matter if at five years old you gave your life to Jesus or last week You loved Him and you experienced Him. The problem is, is that we live from yesterday too much and we forget about living now. What are you doing now? What are you doing now? Not not what happened to you three years ago when you heard God speak to you and somebody prayed over you and prophesied, but what about now? Because I had a radical encounter with God and I lived reasonably and I responded reasonably to this day but what about now what am I doing today I may have humbled myself six weeks ago and repented for something and asked somebody to forgive me of something but what about now where are you right now are you mad at somebody right now are you bitter right now are you in sexual sin right now are you disobeying your parents right now are you obsessed with another girl another boy right Now, where are you right now? Are you responding right now? 
Are you responding right? Responding to what? Are you responding to God's love right now? Man, I responded to God's love six years ago. But I had the choice and I had the choice every day to respond every day. All I have is right. Come on, all I have is right now. I don't even have tomorrow. Do I have tomorrow yet? Guaranteed. Yes. Come on, baby. I don't have yesterday anymore. Paul says in Philippians 3, 13. I forget what was behind and I press on to what's ahead. But you cannot press on to what's ahead unless you live right now. Right now. Are you responding right now? You know what the problem is in worship when we come together and we come here and, and we all come around here and we walk in here at 7 o'clock and, and the worship team starts singing. Is the problem is, is that we're not responding right now. We're not responding to God at this moment. You know what's so crazy is that six minutes ago you can never live again. All you have is right now. At this moment I can do anything I want to. So what are you doing right now? The reasonable life is a life that is lived now. It's a life that loves God now. And it's a life that loves people now. It's a life that forgives people now. And it's a life that repents to God right now. It's a life that has closet order. You remember closet order? It's a life that has their closet in order. Well, Gabriel, two weeks ago, I had a, I, for a whole week, Gabriel, I spent time with Jesus. That's fine. But what are you doing right now? Where is your closet right now? Is your TV in your closet? For those of you who weren't here, what we signify, what the closet signifies is your personal alone time. What is in your personal alone time? Is there a TV and an iPhone? Is there just Facebook? Those things aren't bad. I've said this many times. But what consumes your closet? Is it sexual sin? Is it masturbation? Some of us, that's true. But where are you right now? How are you living right now? Mark chapter 5. Go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. This girl is dead. Say dead. She was eliminated. Well, she wasn't executed because executed means somebody else killed her, so you're wrong. So it's actually, she was dead because of an illness, a sickness came. So she was dead, right? She wasn't just kind of barely breathing and getting by and they had her on a, a little respiratory and trying to keep her going, but she was dead. And Jesus walks in the house. He took the child by the hand and said to her, little girl or young girl, I say to you, arise. In the Bible, the Bible speaks to us about the church who is the body of Christ. All of those people that believe in Jesus. Everybody who believes in Jesus come together as the body, right? But the Bible also speaks of the body of Christ as the bride. Those who will in the last days come together and be with Jesus who is the groom forever, right? And so there is this, you might hear people say, calling the church a female. They might use a female word to describe her like she or her. And so us together, we, we come together and we are a she, we are a her, we are the bride of Christ. We are a female in, in, in essence. Does this make sense? And like this little girl, we as young people are like a young bride. We are like a young church. We are, as if you would go as far with me to say, we are like a young girl. Now that might sound very feminine to some of you and you might think that's really weird. But regardless of the point of this, you are young people. Amen. Amen. And we are young 
in the Lord. And we are a youth group. And we come together as young people to worship God and to move together to build His kingdom on this earth. Amen? Amen. In this city. And God has come to us, has laid His hands on us, and has spoken to us as a young generation and said to us, Arise. He has come to you. He has spoken to you. You have had in some time of your life some encounter with God. You have in some way, somehow, experienced a call from God. And the question is, have you responded? The question is, will you arise? The question is, will you stand up and live right now? The question is not if God has not come to you or not. The question is, because God has come to you, or since God has come to you, are you going to stand up and walk? Now, tonight, today, what does it mean? What do I mean by walk? I mean living the reasonable life. I mean living, living a life where you are intentionally, unconditionally, and relentlessly pursuing Jesus. A life where you get up every single day and you pursue Jesus. A life where you read your Bible, you study it to know Jesus. I'm not asking you to do something crazy. I'm just asking because God has healed you, would you stand up and begin to walk right now? Because God is saying to us tonight and again, and He will say tomorrow morning when you wake up, He will say to you, arise and walk, young people. And either you lay on that bed or you act like this girl, which is reasonable. It would have been stupid for this girl to lay in bed. wouldn't have been. She came alive and Jesus told her to get up and walk. And what does she do? She gets up and walks, right? But you know what the fascinating thing is? The Bible says in verse 42, it says immediately the girl arose and walked. It doesn't say she waited around till tomorrow to get up. It says she immediately, right now, right now, right now, she stood up and walked. What are you doing right now? Are you living this life Right now, because God has immediately come to you at some point in your life and has spoken to you, has blessed you, has given you all that you need in Christ. We believe not in some philosophy or some good idea. We believe in the person Jesus. And my question is, are we living according to what we believe? Some of us, you may say yes, and I will agree with you. But some of us also are just kind of getting by in life. God's told you to walk and you're crawling. God's told you to rise and you're still sleeping. Still sleeping looks like you're still in your sin. Still sleeping looks like you just kind of getting by and you just saying, well, I don't really need to read my Bible. I don't really need to spend time with Jesus. Are you going to live the immediate now life? Or are you going to say, well, I did it yesterday, so I'm good? Are you going to spend time with Jesus tomorrow morning when you wake up? Are you going to love people tomorrow even if somebody makes fun of you? Are you going to bless people even if somebody curses you tomorrow? Are you going to forgive people even if they persecute you tomorrow? Are you going to live the immediate now life? You know what it looks like to live the now life? You know what it looks like to be a young people to stand up and walk? It looks like every moment of your life, your heart is set to love God and to love people. No matter how you feel, no matter where you are, no matter how bad you may feel or how good you may feel, you live now. It looks like when you're walking through your school, whether you're at UAA or whether you're at a public school or whether you're at a Christian school, it looks like you spending time and getting to know people. It looks like you pursuing and getting to know people. It looks like you loving and blessing and making people feel valuable and honored and respected. It looks like you every day being 
being inspired and being motivated by the love of God and you living according to the love of God. Right now. My question to you tonight is what are you waiting for? I actually, I think even further, I believe the Holy Spirit's question to you tonight, God's question to you tonight, is what are you waiting for? You would be like a person who was dead, and God rose from the dead, but you sat there, and God is saying, hey, get up and walk, but you're just laying there, and you're not living the life that he's told you to live. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for something else to change in your life? Are you waiting for yourself to feel better? Are you waiting for some person to come up to you and lay their hands on you and say, my son, I love you and you shall be blessed from this day forward? Are you waiting for somebody to give you a million dollars before you think that you're blessed? Are you waiting for you to get married before you start living godly? Are you waiting for you to feel something like other people have felt? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for to start fishing? To start actually in your life getting to know people, to spend time with people, to love people, to listen to people, and to have a purpose to bring them to know Jesus. What are you waiting for? I don't know, when you go to work tomorrow or when you wake up tomorrow and you're spending time with your little brother, your little sister, your older brother, your mom or dad, what are you waiting for to love them and to forgive them? What are you waiting for to ask for forgiveness? What are you waiting for to humble yourself? Eventually you're either going to humble yourself or God's going to humble you. What are you waiting for? My other question to you tonight is, who said that you're too late? Who said that it's too late for you to get up? Because the problem is that some of us in here right now believe that I've done too much stuff or I've gone too far and it's too late for me to get up and live. Who said it's too late? I want you to ask yourself that question. Is it too late for you to start living right now? Is, is it too late to start living right now? Have you gone too far to start living right now? Have you made too many mistakes to start living right now? Who said that you were too small or too weak? There's some of us in here tonight who feel like they're too small and are too weak to start living right now. I guess, I guess the problem is, is that we, we come together and we sing songs We talk from the Bible, and we go home, but none of us, or few of us, or some of us, live right now. None of us live the moment-to-moment lifestyle, where you love God and you love people every moment of your life. See, this this is what's so crazy to me, is that God has done, God has done a a radical thing to us. He sent His Son to hang on a cross for us, to bear our sin, to to take our sin, that which separated us from God. He took our sin that separated us from God. He hung on a cross, and then He was buried, and then He rose again. And He went in and, and is seated now in heaven. Jesus is seated in heaven. And He gave us His Spirit, who is our guarantee that we will be in heaven for eternity because the Spirit of God lives in us. God has done a, a, if you will go as far as to say, a ginormous thing to us and for us. My question to you is, how are you going to respond in worship? How are you going to respond tomorrow morning? How are you going to respond on Saturday or on Sunday? And how are you going to respond right now? There's so many different ways you can respond. I guess my question to God is, Lord, how can I respond in such a way that is reasonable? Do I fall on my face and cry? Do I read my Bible nonstop? No. Do I jump and scream? Do I just do whatever I want to do? What... what How can I respond to a God that has hung on a cross for me to cover and bear my sin? How can I respond to that? How can I live a life that is reasonable? 
How can I do that? And I guess the answer is, we can do that by simply doing this. Love God. Love each other. Forgive each other. Listen to each other. Talk to each other. Bless each other. Pray for each other. Spend time with people you would not normally spend time with. When you come to worship, worship like you didn't worship last time. When you pray, pray like you're talking to a person, not like you're sending an email to somebody and you're waiting for them to respond. When you're with people that don't know Jesus, bless them. Don't condemn them. Don't be critical of them. Don't judge them. Just love them and bless them. When you're by yourself, live now life. Live for Jesus now. When you're with a bunch of people, don't get insecure and try to be somebody that you're not somebody. That's a problem with a lot of us, is that when we, when we get with a lot of people, we change who we are because we're insecure. But be who you are and love people. And you know what else? To some of us, I'm trying to reach every single part of us right now. To some of us, don't be so religious and have fun in life. It's okay for you to have fun. The Bible says in John 10.10 10, that light, Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. Have fun because God has given you life. Christians should not be mundane, methodical, and boring. They should be the funnest people in the world. Go frolfing this summer. Go golf this summer. Go swimming this summer. Go climb a mountain this summer. Go play sports outside this summer. Go dance with your friends, not at Club Millennium, somewhere else this summer. Get outside and do something fun. And live the now life. Can we have the worship team come up here, please? God is asking that we would live now. God is asking that you would wake up and that you would live now. Luke 5.10, we read this scripture last week. Jesus tells His disciples, Do not fear, for from now on... When? When? From now on, you will catch men. There should be a shift in your life where you stop living the life you used to live and you live a life different than what you used to live, right? The life that is now is a life that is completely different than what used to be. If you have encountered Jesus, your life should change in some way, in some form, in some shape. There should be a different because from now on, you're a different person. You're now catching men. Your now focus is to love other people. In Matthew 4.20... Jesus comes and he tells, us, he tells these fishermen, he says, come and follow me. And the Bible says they immediately left the nets and followed him. And another, two verses later, he says to some other people, hey, come follow me. And the Bible says they immediately left their boats and followed Jesus. They immediately, they, at that very moment, when God called their life, they said, now I'm going to live the now life and today I'm going to live the life for God. I beg you to receive the grace of God and to apply it in your life. This is what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. That merciful, hear this real quick, that merciful kindness by which God exerts His holy influence on souls and turns them to Jesus, keeping and strengthening them do not receive this to no purpose. Do not receive the love of God and then do nothing with it. Do not receive the grace of God, the power of God that's living inside of you and do nothing with it. If there's anything we should do and ought to do, it's to respond accordingly to the grace of God. How are you going to respond? I think what's so awesome is that 
the past few weeks, many of you have given a lot of money to Crossroads, the ministry of Crossroads, the school of Crossroads, to help bless some people. And that's, that's so awesome to bless these girls and to give them money. But what are you going to do tomorrow? Are you going to say, well, I did that yesterday, now I'm good, I kind of did my good deeds for a little bit. You know, the Bible says that God will remember what you did was good. God will reward you. But you're just going to end there, or are you going to continue to live for God? And some of you now are sitting there going, Gabriel, I'm confused. I feel like you're saying that we're just a bunch of horrible people. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you're a bunch of horrible people and that you're not doing anything right. I'm saying, are you living every moment as though it were your last moment for God? That doesn't mean you're always crazy and hyped up like you're on speed or something. Sometimes it looks like you just sit there and you rest. But it doesn't look like you live a lazy life and you just kind of get by in life. It looks like you're awake and you're on guard and you're alert. And you're intentionally focused to spend time with people. You know the best thing you can do? Probably the best thing that you can do is to get into a small group with guys and with girls. Into a guy's small group, a guy's my pod, and get into a girl's my pod. Guys, get in a guy's my pod. And girls, get in a girl's my pod. If you don't know where they are, you can come and ask me or one of our leaders and we'll help you find out where you can fit in. I guess the thing that burdens me more than anything is that we are the people of God. We are the people of God. What are we doing about it? The the limit of how much we can respond, there isn't a limit. There is no limit. There is no boundaries of how much you can love God and love people. There's no boundaries. It's up to you. It's up to you of how reasonable, how logical you're going to respond. Is coming to this youth ministry and going to church just something that you do? Is, is loving Jesus and worshiping Jesus just something that you do? Or is it who you are all the time? And, and what are you waiting for for it to be all the time? Maybe you need to get in a, in a group of people and tell people your struggles and stop hiding your, your faults and your struggles and to expose yourself before people and humble yourself. Maybe it's you need to submit to somebody and humble yourself and, get, and make somebody your pastor, your leader. Man, there's so many different ways you can respond, but my question to you tonight is how are you going to respond? I believe the Lord wants to speak to us about how we should respond and what that looks like. Each of us ought to respond differently, but all accordingly, all reasonably. All of us should respond in such a way that is loving God and is loving each other. Are you with me? Are we living the life now? Let's bow our heads. Everybody, let's bow our heads.